When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the final match review of the season. Newcastle beating Burnley 2-1 down at Turf Moor. And unfortunately for Burnley, that result helped send them on their way down to the Championship. I'm Andrew Musgrove, joined by our Newcastle United writer, Kieran Kelly, who is down at Turf Moor. Kieran, before the game, you said you know that the crowd might help whip Burnley up into a frenzy. Was it the kind of game, did it turn out to be the kind of game that you anticipated? Yeah, I was, I was so relieved for the Newcastle fans on the way in because um, where the press box is up in Turf Moor, literally the fans are right beside you, the Burnley fans. So you could see every range of emotion uh, yesterday that you can imagine. And it wasn't just what was happening on the pitch. Obviously, they're, they're getting updates on their smartphones about what was happening at Leeds. And even in an era uh, of great technology today uh there were like phantom goals and, and what have you it was it was it was a really strange experience to, to cover a game like that and, uh, i personally was just glad there was nothing riding on for newcastle because <laughs> you know the nerves that would have been there if that was a relegation playoff because you know bear in mind it's only a few months ago that players and staff genuinely were preparing themselves for this game to be you know a shootout on the final day to to stay in the premier league and Newcastle had the luxury of going into it knowing that, okay, yes, they want to be professional, they want to finish the season well, but they knew, you know, if they didn't win the game, it wasn't the end of the world. So um, I, th- I, was, I was just relieved for those fans because you go back to Villa Park 2009, I'd say some of them were there for that day. And a lot of these players were at Bournemouth when Eddie Howe went down, you know, Callum Wilson, for example. So uh, it, it was everything I expected and more, I think. Given that kind of atmosphere that Newcastle went, went into, it's not exactly the most easiest of, of situations to no. handle. Do you think the fact they did, and I know the second half wasn't as good as the first half and they had their backs to the wall, and we will get onto yeah. that in, in a moment, but just the fact they came out with, with the win, they started quite well, they recovered from the Joe Linton injury, which of course we'll talk about as well. It just shows you, you know, just how far Newcastle have come because under previous managers, at this time of the season, Newcastle may have just kind of folded, and and you know, like you say, it's it's they're on the beach, and it, it doesn't really matter what the result is. But here, under Eddie Howe, he wants to win every single game, and the players have, have bought into that. Yeah, it's it's a really good point because I mean, I look at the the recent games. You know, they played Liverpool, Man City, and Arsenal, and they were a really good gauge of how far they come on how far they have to go still. And I think this game was as well because, as you say. You know, even earlier in the season, I think they would have crumbled. The the actual opening seven minutes of the game, Burnley's fans, they, they create a really good atmosphere. And, and Burnley's players are feeding off, of, you know, the, the cliche, you know, flying into tackles and what have you. And Newcastle, they just seemed really to be able to keep the ball for a bit, just to keep possession and try and take the sting out of it. And ironically, uh, Joe Linton's injury, it, it disrupted Burnley more than Newcastle because um, it halted Burnley's momentum a bit. And, Newcastle adjusted quicker, they got into a different shape and, and they kind of went from there. But 
yeah, I think there were various stages in the game, particularly at 2-1 as well, when, when Burnley got into it that Newcastle not so long ago when they were conceding goals for fun, when they were you know, throwing away a lot of leads, they would have uh, let that slip and, and Burnley would have potentially gone on to even win the game. You just don't know. So I think it is a sign of how far they come. It was interesting, Mike Jackson, after the game, he made a point of basically saying how tough Newcastle are to break down. And it was the complete opposite three months ago, even, you know, uh, they, they become such a, a steely, hard to beat team. They're nasty out of possession. And I think Burnley found that, you know, they, they did create some chances late on as we'll get on to, but Newcastle did frustrate them. They, they, they did what they, they, it was a very professional performance for the most part. I think that's how you describe it. And Newcastle maybe haven't always been able to put in those kind of performances where you tick along and you get the result, but they're, they're developing that kind of size of their game. And you mentioned there the Joe Linton injury very early on. He left the turf more in a protective boot. Eddie Howe said it was a deep laceration, but you know it doesn't appear to be that that serious, and he'll have the next few weeks until the preseason to to recover from that. You mentioned there how it disrupted Burnley to a certain extent, but did it change the way Newcastle played? I know they brought on. Jacob Murphy didn't then, obviously, then they would have to find the, the shape. But I'm just wondering, in terms of Joe Linton going off, does it give you a little bit of a, or does it give our listeners a little bit of insight into maybe the future of Joe Linton un, under Eddie Howe? I know it was only, you know, 80 minutes or so without Joe Linton playing, but I'm just wondering, there was a bit, there's a big gap without him there. And do you yeah. think it kind of maybe emphasises the fact that actually going forward, that position is his own and, and he will be there or thereabouts next season? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, uh, as he said, he said a year ago, he was going to be one of the first names on the team sheet, let alone a central midfielder. You'd, you'd probably say I was mad. Um, I think he's he's indispensable. You you do notice it. It's, it's the same when you know, like John Joe Shelby's in the team. They they just have certain they do certain things that no one else in the team does. Joe Linton, you know, breaks up the play, and he's he's a really integral part of that team. But I think he's he's so versatile that. You almost can't pigeonhole him yet. I think genuinely it can depend game by game sometimes. You know, you see him start in midfield and instead of making a sub, Eddie Howe will, will put him out wide and he gives him something completely different. And I look back at that Norwich game a few weeks ago, he started as a number nine, which we didn't think was going to happen again. He ends up going out to the left, scores two goals from the left and just goes to show he, he he's taken kind of the confidence and belief from playing in midfield into any position. And I genuinely think he he could play wherever he wants. Um, but you look at it and you think in this team at the moment, central midfield it seems to be the the place where his future lies. Um, but you know, I think his, his uh, turnaround has been so staggering that he just would not put anything past him. If he ends up at right back, would we be surprised? Q and Trippier might be, but I think <laughs> Linton's turnaround and form is kind of, it's one of those things you hold up to just how good of a job Eddie Howe has done. Newcastle finishing 11th seems an utterly bizarre statement, given where Newcastle were when he took over, when Newcastle were even when they beat Burnley for their first game of this, uh, first win of the season. And then obviously, you know, I, I tweeted yesterday about that Leicester defeat down at the King Power when they were thumped 4 0 in, in early December. And for me, I thought, this is curtains now. I couldn't see how Newcastle get out of the mess they're in. Um, I was hoping for a 17th place finish. I mean, to be to be actually, Newcastle were in the top 10 at one point yesterday, you know, which is amazing. I mean, how do you sum up the job Eddie Howe has done? 
it's it's pretty hard isn't it um <laughs> i think it's it's a variety of factors i know outsiders are going to point to january as the overriding factor and i think january was a game changer you know you look at the the players that came in the, the standards the quality you know it's there for all to see they all did a job individually look at someone like matt target i think eyebrows were raised maybe when he came in where they signed the left back on loan but his premier league experience has been invaluable he's been one of the most consistent players at the club since then but for me i, I think you can't speak about january then without speaking about the coaching speaking about the togetherness that's been fostered and the work ethic you know you look at players who aren't in the team who aren't even getting into the match day squad sometimes people like dwight gale Matt Ritchie, they've been setting the standards around the training ground. They've their attitude's been first class. Similarly, Kieran Clark, who's not in, even in the match in the twenty-five man squad, Isaac Hayden, they're training like they're still being up for selection. And I think everyone's just bought into it. And what you would say, the biggest tribute to those players is Eddie Howe will want to bring in characters who similarly know what it means to play for the club, who have that professionalism, who quickly grasp what it means and if they are to move on i think their legacy is there you know they, they've played their part even when they've not been playing which um is pretty rare in football i think we went, we've mentioned there q and kind of the standard that eddie howe is his set he wants to win every game after the game speaking to you guys in, in, in the press room he, he said it was very important for me that we finish in the way we've been playing for the majority of the second half of the season we've set very high standards a very good collective mentality. This was always going to be a very difficult match, not technically pure match, but we scored some good goals. We wanted to go into the game, making sure the integrity of the league was upheld and it was important we played our part there. They certainly did. But for me, it's that first sentence there that, that, that stands out. You know, we wanted to play the way we've been playing for the majority of the second half of the season. And it's just refreshing to, 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 you know, to have a manager in charge of Newcastle that sees every game as a, potential three points and yesterday was no different despite the fact you know Newcastle had very little to play for all they had to play for yeah. was maybe a bit of extra pot and a bit of extra money in the pot with the, the where they finished in the league but other than that you know they could have laid down and, and just looked forward to the summer but they didn't they turned up and they, they won the game and, and, and deservedly so yeah I mean the, the mentality shift's been been stark you think when he came in, they obviously hadn't won a game and they didn't win a game for a few games uh, in his first few games in charge, but everything he, he sets out to win, whether it's a, an exhibition game in Saudi Arabia or or a training match, you know, the players have bought into that. They, It's, it's quite infectious. You know, they have their little leaderboards at the training ground, you know, who's the best trainer, the trainer of the month awards. They, they're all pushing each other and there's there's a really healthy kind of edge to everything at Newcastle at the moment and maybe that hasn't been there for a while and I think that bodes well going into next season because they're going to bring in players with a similar mentality it's one of the big prerequisites for Freddie Howe you know you have to have character you have to want to win you have to have that in you and I think bringing in further players like that we've seen Bruno I mean he's led from the front I think that Leicester goal would anyone else have gambled with an 80 yard run in the 94th minute in the heat he did. I think bringing in more players like that, it will take Newcastle up the table. You mentioned there the, the, the transfer window. You've written a piece today over on Chronicle Live about the the emotion, uh, the emotional speech that Eddie Howe is has given to to certain Newcastle players, and we know that certain Newcastle players will be 
shown the door this summer. There may be a few surprises. Just give our listeners a bit more of an insight into into that piece you've written and what you think. What you think maybe yesterday's game and the reaction afterwards told us about what is going to happen in this summer transfer window. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting after the game because um, it wasn't your typical end of game feel because Burnley obviously been relegated and what struck me in Newcastle players rather than punching the air after winning, they, they went straight over to Burnley players individually. Dan Byrne went over to Mike Jackson, the manager. They they consoled them and Newcastle players quickly made their way off the pitch. You know, there's obviously fears of a pitch invasion before the game to their credit. Bernie fans were, were spot on throughout. I thought I thought they did the, the club really proud. Not that they need me to say that, but uh Newcastle fans, you know, they they very briefly salute their way in and then they're in the tunnel and back to the dressing room. And I think it was probably that point it dawned on a few people that that might be the last time that a lot of these players might be together again. You know, some will move on, some might be in the squad next season, what have you. So Anyhow, uh, I asked after the game, just, you know, very, very open question, you know, what, what did you kind of say? What was it like in there? You know, it's been a roller coaster campaign. How, how do you, how do you go approach summon it up? And he said it was quite an emotional moment, a very special moment, basically just thanking the players and the staff for everything they'd done. That unity had been so important, everyone rowing in the same direction. And it'd be interesting in the coming days, he's, he's going to sit down with each individual player, whether it's face-to-face or, or speaking to them over the phone and speak about their futures because planning for the next season is stepping up from literally today. You know, they they have to be quick because before you know it, they're back July 1st, the players for pre-season and then the new season isn't too far away from there. So I think it, it's really going to step up the next couple of weeks um, when it comes to players will know where they stand when they go on their end of season holidays and then Newcastle will start to kind of tee up targets and, and start to try and make some early running because you look at Aston Villa, for example, they're already off the mark. You know, you really have to be quick. I know it's no guarantee, but Eddie Howe traditionally does like to do his business early, like most managers, and, and that's really important Newcastle do it this season. And they've got a clean slate now, the fact, you know, they've, they've, they've survived and We've mentioned this previously on the Everything is Black and White podcast, but I think Newcastle fans can genuinely be excited about what Newcastle can achieve this summer, given the fact they're not trying to sell the project while being in a relegation yeah. scrap. It is effectively, you know, a blank piece of paper and you, you you need to just, you know, you can you can sell the hopes of maybe a top 10 next season and, 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 and what have you coming forward. We mentioned there that this will be the last time that certain players are probably in a black and white shirt and you look at the bench yesterday, in and you had Federico Fernandez on the bench for the first time in quite a while. You had Carl Darlow on there, Dwight Gale, Matt Ritchie, who actually yeah. came on, didn't he? Got a got a minute or so. Do you think those are the kind of players? And you know, we don't want to speculate too much, but, but you know, those are the we, we've seen them names linked away to to yeah. move somewhere. And you, you do look at the like of Fernandez. He is coming towards the end of the career. He's been a great servant for Newcastle. Matt Ritchie. I mean, I absolutely love his. His enthusiasm and his um his passion. I could see him being. I could see him being a coach at some point, yeah. and you know he would uh, set the standards just as high as Eddie Eddie Howe has done. But he's still got a few years left in the legs. You would think to actually play at a, a good level. Dwight Gill hasn't got a lot looking really under the previous two managers. Carl Darlow linked to Middlesbrough. Um, yeah. Are these the sort of players you think um, might be on their way out this summer? Yeah, I, I think there might be one or two surprises in terms of who might stay, but. I do think it will be the old guard. You look at, I suppose there may be 
not sure, put a number on it, but probably about maybe 15 or 16 players you'd be pretty sure will be there next season. And then there are question marks and probably seven, eight, nine of them. Um, and that goes right down to people like Matt Target and Sean Longstaff, even though although club are still very confident Sean Longstaff will sign a new deal. Matt Target, you know, the, the deal in theory is there to be done if they want it. You know, they're in a strong position, the club, on that front. But, yeah, I, I do think it'll be, it'll be certain members of that old guard. Like you say, they're, these guys are, are competitors. They want to be playing. Um, some of them have not played as much as they wanted. And they have to kind of balance that thirst with some of them have young families who are settled in the area. Some of them were given long contracts in the final years of the Ashley era. You know, it might not be as easy as people think for, for Newcastle to move some of them on. So it's a real balance. I think more than anything, when they do go, I, I don't think fans will ever forget what they did for the club. You know, the club wouldn't have been promoted without some of these players. People forget that championship win. It wasn't as straightforward as it maybe looked at times. Then how many times were their backs against the wall in the Premier League? I know you might say, well, Newcastle lacked quality in certain areas, but you can never fault the heart, the determination. They just never gave up. I mean, I think back to last season, second half of last season, I was really fearing the worst after that Brighton game, like most people, I think. And the, the dressing room came back together and, and they really finished the season so strongly and, and that's what they, they've done. They've, they've put the club in a place where, you know, it was ripe to be taken over. Had Newcastle been relegated, it would have been even a, a complicated takeover might have been even more complex. We just don't know. So I, I think, um, you know, the, they, their uh, contribution will never be forgotten. You know, they, they've done so much for the club and, um, yeah, if it is to be goodbye, you know their their legacies cemented, isn't it? What what sort of reaction did Matt Ritchie get when he when he came off the bench for those final two minutes? Did they? I'm assuming the crowd you know, <laughs> gave him a, a good reaction. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like um, it was similar with Dwight Hill when he came on Saracen. It felt like uh, Eddie Howe wasn't one for sentiment. You know, he he said, "I'm going to pick my strongest team against against Burnley," and he did, but those little changes lay on, you know, even naming Fernandez on the bench, like you said, he hadn't really been on the bench for a while the past couple of games. I think he has, it, it just, they just felt like little nods. Um, and I'd imagine, you know, what went on in the dressing room afterwards, it's not been explicitly said, you know, this person's going to move on or this person, it's the last time he's here. But I'd say that feel was there that a lot of those veterans, a lot of those stalwarts, you know, knew maybe that their time is coming. And um, I think, it's been hand, it'll be handled in such a way that they'll be told first and it's not going to emerge. And I think that's the way to do it. So, um, yeah, really interesting times. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, they can, they can be proud of what, what they've achieved. They will be part of that first group, a really key group to get Newcastle out of the mess they win right at the start of the season. And a lot of them, if not all of them, have been fantastic servants. And, you know, if it is Matt Ritchie's last season at Newcastle United, he can definitely leave with his held his head held high uh, just want to talk about the actual the game itself Kieran we've kind of alluded to the fact we we saw two sides of Newcastle one that was predominantly dominant in the in the first half the second half one what that really had to stick in I mean if you look at the stats you've got 60 percent possession in the first half to 37 percent in the second yeah. 212 passes to 126 passes in the second. 157 accurate passes to just 84 in the second. So that's 74%, 67% for those who like their percentages. But it does paint a picture of 
the the, the difference in in Eddie Howe Newcastle United, and we've seen it as well early in the season where they dominated against Everton and won quite comfortably. The next game they they beat Aston Villa, but they were you know they really had to dig in for for that result, and it's just another sign of. I think what Eddie Howe can can do with this this side when they need to roll up their sleeves and they need just to batten down the hatches, they can do that. When they have an opportunity to to dominate, they can do that. I guess the one downside to to being dominant um, is that you need to to take your chances and to go in only 1-0. Eddie Howe probably would have wanted a few more goals to the good. Obviously, they went and got the second early in the second half. But what did you make of the kind of the Jekyll and Hyde performances? Yeah, it's um, the they made real strides on the ball the past maybe. I go back to since that Norwich game I mentioned earlier. I think they've 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 played with a bit more freedom. I think it's not coincidence since safety's been fairly assured. The players look just like a weight's been lifted. They're they're keeping the ball better. They've they've obviously worked hard on that, and and that's been the Achilles heel for Newcastle for many years. Just retaining possession, having more possession, making use of possession. It's not really been their game, but I thought, you know, against Arsenal, you just saw a glimpse of the future of how Howe would like to play, that even against uh, one of the top teams in the country, you're, you're taking the game to them, you're imposing yourself on them, you're pressing high, and you're keeping the ball well and, and actually being incisive with them. And you look at the other side, when, when Howe was appointed, you maybe thought, well, this team are shipping goals, why are they appointing Eddie Howe? And I think... To be fair, the first few games were a bit too open, and I'd say he's he's adapted, he's he's tweaked, and they've become a much nastier, hard to be side off the ball. And the progress they've made off the ball has probably been the story of the season, the reason why they've won so many points. They've been able to dig, they've been able to defend so well. And when Newcastle previously couldn't keep leads, they've they've been able to actually keep hold of them. They've been able to get back in games when they've gone behind and those add up those those qualities and if you have that as the base next season you can you can build from it then and I, I think they definitely have that you know the the building blocks are there and, and in theory they're only going to get better you know you think of a full preseason with Eddie Howe and his staff that's going to be massive in terms of the squad actually hitting the ground running because they weren't fit enough at the start of last season players have gone on the record to say that they really can't afford a start like last season again I don't think anyone wants to see that no, not at all. And you alluded there to the comments of certain players, and it segues nicely into my next question because the person who made, or you know, the most um, prominent player that made that comment was Callum Wilson on his BBC podcast. And I mean, <laughs> I think it was only last week when I spoke about this. It still baffles me that Newcastle players were actually in that position, and we'll we'll no doubt cover this in the weeks to come in 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 the season reviews that we do. But Callum Wilson scored two goals yesterday took his tally up to a top scorer for the season, which I guess in one way shows exactly what Newcastle need to do in the summer. They need to go out and get a striker. But just on Wilson, I tweeted out yesterday, something along the lines, it would be brilliant to see him get a full season and what he could do. And a lot of the replies came back and said, well, unfortunately, we don't think he can do that because he has got this injury record. He has got the tendency to, to pick up injuries that do leave him out for a long time. Um, you know, when you when you speak to people around Newcastle, Kieran, and and and, and is there is there a feeling? Do you think that this could be as a next season could be the year that we see uh, see Callum Wilson, you know, play the majority of games rather than sitting out the majority of games? I think the big change will be 
he's got staff that know his body inside out who have been with him when he's had those serious knee injuries. You know, the, the impact injuries he's had have been, you know, it's been so unfortunate. You can't really legislate for that. I think what you can legislate for is the muscle injuries and ensuring he's got a real load going into a season. I, I don't think it's a coincidence personally that he's picking up niggles this season and even last season because his preparation wasn't the best going into the season in terms of the programs i mean you look at his first season at the club he joined late because it was that crazy season where one season had ended with the pandemic and the next one started so quickly he arrived uh, it was only a matter of i don't think it was was it like maybe 10 days for the start of the season not ideal and then obviously last summer he as you said, he, he went on record and just said he didn't feel fit enough that, you know, they, they were running a lot. But in terms of football-specific movements, when it came to that West Ham game, you know, by an hour they were, they were blowing because they just hadn't done enough work with the ball. And I think um, it's not a coincidence that if you look back to his last full season with Eddie Howe, he only missed three league games, two of those through suspension. That's proof he can do it. That's only two years ago. Um I do think they they believe he he can do it, but what I would say is they're going to bring in someone to help shoulder the burden. Because on one hand, him getting eight goals in eighteen, it's a remarkable return. On another, you're thinking, wow, he's he's all he's leading the way just by only playing eighteen games. You know, you need more goals. Yes, the burden's been shared around, but they need other forwards to step up. And I think um, getting more firepower and it's got to be the priority this summer and it is the priority but i do think yesterday was almost a timely reminder that he has a huge part to play because he, he was having a fairly quiet game and the composure he shows for the penalty he was being really booed it was a long way stepped up no problem and then the second goal obviously just a brilliant first time finish that you couldn't imagine another Newcastle player doing. He's he's one of the best man, match finishers in the Premier League for me. He's, he just comes alive on match days, and that's a huge weapon to have going into next season. Yes, you have to keep him fit, but I do think with the staff there who know him so well, the right program, they can manage him well, and he can play more games than he has uh, these past two seasons. It's so exciting to to be saying that you know the priority this summer is to bring in a striker because when you look at the the competition for that spot, so you'll have Callum Wilson and whoever comes in, the level of that new arrival is going to have to be so high because Callum Wilson, when fully fit and getting yeah. the service, is one of the best strikers in the Premier League. So it's again refreshing to be able to sit here and say, Do you know what, Newcastle are going to go and sign a striker, not a stopgap, not someone to to, to, to fill in but to actually push Callum Wilson to maybe even better him in the squad. It's just, it's another sentence that I think Newcastle United fans will just kind of take a moment and go, wow, you know, this is, this is, this is the club now that I support. Yeah. I think, you know, even Chris Wood has, has done that. Callum was obviously looking on from afar when, when he was, you know, leading the line and, you know, his work off the ball, the couple of goals he scored, play the part in Newcastle turnaround, but he's not going to get you, the 10 goals next season, in my opinion, they need to bring in someone who um, I feel can one day become that person. I, I'd be interested to see if they can get someone at a peak age or whether they look at a younger alternative who will grow into a superstar. You know, that's that's the interesting one. You, the dynamic there, you know, 
will Howe want to play with two strikers, which he has done previously, or is he going to keep going with one and, and rotate them? And there are a lot of questions around that. But I think yesterday, again, it's just a reminder that Newcastle already have a, an outstanding striker who, if they get it right with his preparation next season, can, can be a massive, massive help for them. And a good boost for him as well to get them two goals. And like you say, a timely reminder that actually, you know, I'm, I'm still here. I'm and I'm still here and I'm 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 gonna be part of this journey going forward. Yeah, and he's got the World Cup of course on the horizon as well. So you think you bring in increased competition. We've seen with John Joe Shelby, Joe Willock and Joe Linton when Bruno came in, they played some of their best games for Newcastle this season. Not a coincidence. I think if you brought another striker in, Wilson would really thrive off that. He's he's someone who loves competition. So I think there's so many factors that suggests he could have a, a really big campaign, but priorities keeping him fit. That's that's the big question mark still. Yeah, it'd be really interesting somehow to see how they handle that one. Of course, when Newcastle actually go for pre-season, because that is still up in the air, given the cancellation of it was in the Ohio tournament, wasn't it? The Ohio Cup. So be interested to see what their pre-season plans are, what's going to happen with season tickets as well. There's loads to discuss, and we will discuss that in the coming weeks. Kieran will be back at some point to do uh, a season review. It won't be a standard season review. I think, Kieran, we would have said that we're going to do kind of the five key talking points from the season. So um, do look out for that one when we put that out after recording it sometime this week. Uh, to you guys listening, thank you very much. Please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider. Totally free to do. Just means with every episode we upload, you'll get a notification to say it's ready to download. And head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where you can keep with it with all the latest Newcastle United news, everything Kieran writes, everything actually sports writer Lee Ryder writes, and loads, loads more. Once again, thank you very much for tuning in.